Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome into the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Dustin Hawkinsmith. I am Jim Galante. This is quarter number one of our show. Dustin, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, we're doing good, man. We're uh, we're in the off season here, but I think we put together some pretty good shows for you know for being where we are. This is sort of the dead zone, but you mentioned we talked off the air about last week's show, which I thought was pretty fun. Looking at not just 2023 being way too early, but way way too early at 2024, and the idea being the continuity of Penn State's roster. You know, trying to trying to forecast where there might be issues and where they might need help and all that. And now today, I think we got, we got a good, pretty good topic that uh, comes at an interesting time. I think we do too, if we have to say so ourselves. Yes, it's a great. We topic. do. Nobody's going to say it for us. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, first of all, though, quarter number four, we're going to have Jeff Byers in. We're going to talk some wrestling, and but first, our topic. Dustin, I sent this out to you a few days ago. What I wanted was your take, and I'm really interested to hear from you on this topic, is the Big Ten coaches. I'd like to get your take on them, how you would rank them. And to start, and we're going to go through each one. We're going to go one by one. We're going to stop at the start at the bottom of Dustin's rankings and work our way all the way up to, to that number one spot. But before we do that, Dustin, just my general question is, how do you do this? How do you make this ranking when you have a situation where Ryan Day steps into his first head coaching job ready-made? It's like Ohio State, the way they recruit, the way they win, the quality of the program, everything is great. And then you compare that uh, to Greg Schiano. He goes into Rutgers, complete opposite situation. Yeah, there's um, there's not really like it's it's not even comparing apples and oranges. It's like apples, oranges, star fruit, papaya, pineapple. Like it's it's all kinds of different fruit. And, you know, Ryan Day is a really interesting example because I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what the answer to the question is. But if you were to pull him out of Ohio State and plug him in at Illinois, what would the outcome and the result look like there? You really don't know. If you take Brett Bielema and put him at Ohio State, you don't know. But I think for me, it's just the sense of of their identity, what they're doing uh, relative to expectation, where their program stands in, in the Big Ten uh, power structure of things. Um, and, and ultimately just kind of the trajectory that I believe their programs are on. And I think you can be a better coach and still be at a worse program, you know? And I think that for a long time, Pat Fitzgerald was the poster boy of that. And I think, um, you know, his stock has fallen a bit because Northwestern has fallen on some hard times without that, uh, that occasional, you know, blip on the radar where they, where they beat three ranked teams in a row. So it, it is interesting and there's not really, it's a, a sliding scale, but everybody's kind of thrown their hat in the ring and, and that's what we're doing here on this show. And um, it was good 
just to look at these guys a little bit closer and really think about, you know, when I sent you what I put together, it's pros and cons. What do I think that they do well? What do I think that they don't do well? And in the end, we, we got a, a ranking from uh, one to 14. We're not even getting into USC and UCLA because that's, you know, a little down the road, but this is what we've got uh, so far. Well, you know, Dustin, I'm not going to let you get away with that, you know, where we're not going to put them in. So at some point, it's kind of like the we, we compared ourselves, remember, to Casey Kasem's top 40. Yeah. And every once in a while, he sneaks off and does something other than the ranking. At some point in here, I'm going to sneak off and ask you about Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly. So I know where they're going to slot in. I know where they're going to slot in if, if, if we're going to slot them in there. <laughs> All right. Very good. Tell you what, let's start then. I want to start at the bottom and begin the countdown from there. We mentioned him already, Greg Schiano at Rutgers. And, you know, Dustin, because I can't just go by what you put out there, I'm going to give you a little tidbit on every one of these coaches that might make you think about where you have them ranked. But let's talk about Greg Schiano first. Is there a tougher job in the conference than Rutgers? Uh, well, I did add Ryan Walters from Purdue because um, I sent the list without him in there before. And I could go either way here with, with Shiano. So my take is um, Greg Shiano is really good at making as much as he can out of a little. Because we've seen Rutgers over the years and even the, the recent seasons where he's been um, back in the saddle there where they're not exact they haven't really raised their level of talent on their roster which again it's it's an issue that um kind of sticks with them and you know when Greg Schiano had success at Rutgers they were in a different league they weren't in the Big 10 they weren't playing Michigan State and Michigan and Penn State they weren't having all these challenges and i just don't know if i see you know, a lot more brightness in the future there. Like, obviously he's done it before. And, you know, when it comes to the identity, what what I like about Greg Schiano is that you know that they're going to be uh, really, really good on special teams. You know they're going to be tough. You know they're going to play good defense. They're going to try to run the ball. You know what they're going to try to do. But they've been so hamstrung by a lack of depth and a lack of talent relative to their Big Ten peers. Until that dynamic changes, you can make the most out of a little all day long, but in the end, you know, you're still going to have to find ways to win games and Rutgers, especially at the quarterback position, just hasn't even come close to fielding a team that can win in the big 10. And I'm not sure if I really feel like they're closer now than they were when Shiano took back over again. I could be wrong. I mean, they, he could be doing some things behind the scenes that are laying a foundation and maybe, maybe they hit on the transfer portal uh, one year or another, but um, I just don't really see much to suggest that Rutgers is taking a big step forward anytime soon. And maybe that's unfair to Greg Schiano, but ultimately it's his job to try to um, bring talent back to Rutgers, to keep talent in New Jersey. And I'm not sure that living on what he did 12 years ago is necessarily speaking to that top talent in the Garden State. You know, Dustin, I'll add two quick points here. One of them is, I'm not sure there'll be anyone helped more by the breaking up of the divisions. Okay. Whereas you said, he's stuck Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state, Ohio state every year. He's starting with four losses, yeah. but I will also add this. You mentioned, has he improved the team? Has he done anything? Well, at least results wise, 
the four years prior to him showing up, they had nine total wins in uh, those four years. And three out of the four, no wins in the Big Ten. He's had 12 wins in three years, and that includes the abbreviated uh, COVID season. So at least as far as the win column, there has been improvement. Uh, let's real quickly get through Ryan Walters from Purdue right at this spot. Probably if you were going to give him a grade, it would be incomplete. This is his first job. Right. It's it's hard to really slot him above anybody when he hasn't coached a down a, as a head coach. But, you know, the good thing, you know, th- as far as I see is that his coaching history is is pretty interesting. You know, he's been in some big time spots, not always in big time positions, uh, but he's been been a coordinator at Missouri and Illinois. And Illinois was fantastic on the defensive side of the ball last season. He's 36 years old. You know, he was the guy I feel like Purdue fans were very, very underwhelmed by the hire. But to me, I mean, if you're in if you're at Purdue, like you had uh, really the right things came together at the right time to bring Jeff Brom there in the first place. And what Jeff Brom brought was an offensive identity and ingenuity on that side of the ball. When you have that, you know, and and you're in the upper percentile in terms of uh, offensive IQ for your head coach, you can win games that way. And you can win games pretty quickly that way um, and make the most out of your skill position guys. And he did all that. So now you go down to Ryan Walters. And if you're replacing Jeff Brom, it's not like he elevated the program to the point where he's going to get a power five coach leaving a power five school to come to Purdue. What are your choices then? You're going to go with a retread type or you're going to go with a relative unknown. Uh, Maybe you go from with a head coach from the group of five or something like that. But Ryan Walters, you know, I don't think nationally you heard a lot of buzz about him as an, as a head coach candidate, but Looking through his resume, I don't really know why, because he's done about all you can do as a defensive minded coach uh, to set him up with an opportunity. Um, Missouri, Memphis, Oklahoma, Arizona, and then and then Illinois more recently. Uh, So his age and his, you know, the fact he's unproven as a head coach, uh, lack of experience there. Uh, He replaces an offensive minded coach in Jeff Brom and maybe a roster that was built. Uh, in that direction. Uh, the defensive-minded coach thing doesn't sell a lot of season tickets, but I think he's going to be pretty good in that position if they give him time and patience to do it. And that's the one thing I question there. I believe teams have an identity, and it looks like they're trying to change that identity. We'll see how that goes. Okay, next on the list, Tom Allen, Indiana, uh, really struggled over the Big Ten this past season, two and ten overall, and that was after a couple pretty good years in twenty and twenty one. Yeah, and I think um, you know the two thousand twenty season was one that really defined uh, Indiana and really really put them on the map because of what they were able to do. Uh, so, just as I think Penn State and others get a pass for not having a great two thousand twenty you kind of discount a little bit the success that was had there relative to like what your outlook is for Indiana. As the dust has settled from all that, it has shown that they are still Indiana. Uh, we talked about a ceiling in terms of what the talent that you're getting there can do for you. And I think Tom Allen has kind of run flush against that ceiling there. Uh, he is likable. 
integrity. He, he's a player's coach. You know, guys seem to love playing for him. They bought into his message. They play together. They do all that. But they just are so limited in what they have, and they can't keep up with that Big Ten East. You know, he'd be another one, I think. You mentioned Greg Schiano. Grateful to see those divisions um, hopefully come crashing down. Maybe Indiana can do some things when they think if they've got more games against the Western uh, division. So, um, can he win without that game changing quarterback on his roster? Can he get the next game changing quarterback? Is he long for that position? Is Indiana at this point administration thinking about moving on from Tom Allen? He's a tough guy to move on to because move on from because everybody loves him so much and he still is, is riding that good faith from having a good stretch. Uh, but we'll see. I, I just think that he's um, kind of run into a crossroads, so to speak at Indiana. One other thing. Here's my note on Indiana. He had those back-to-back winning seasons in 20 and 21. Do you know how far back you have to go in Indiana football for the last time they had back-to-back winning seasons? Long time. Long time. 1993 and 94. We're going back 30 years to see the last time that they did that. Be careful with what you wish for at Indiana if you're hoping for a new coach there. All right, Dustin, that's it for quarter number one. We'll pick it up in quarter number two. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith, and our show is brought to you by 409tailgateclub.com. That is the place to go for your barbecue sauces, your barbecue rubs, your Bloody Mary mix, all those things you need to make your tailgate special. Dusty, we were actually talking about this before the show off the air. You know, the blue-white game's not that far away. You got to start thinking tailgating, my friend. And if you want to make your special, 409tailgateclub.com. Oh, I, I completely support 
uh, what they do. There have been no better tailgates I've been a part of than when those guys show up, use their products and, and grill. And it's perfect because in my situation, they did everything for me, not just prepare the flavor, but prepare the food as well. You would have to do some of that labor, unfortunately, but they, uh, they, the flavors that they put together, they just, they just really know their stuff when it comes to, um, how to, how to bring these things together. Just as an aside, my mentioning the blue-white game and the tailgate might just be some foreshadowing, Dusty. Just Mm, keep that in the back of your mind. Let's get back to our countdown. We went through three of the coaches in the Big Ten. We're ranking them, or Dustin is. We had Greg Schiano, Ryan Walters from Purdue, Tom Allen. Next on the list, Mike Loxley from Maryland. Don't know what to make of him down there, Dusty. Boy, it is it is tough to say. You know, like if you look at what Maryland has done um, under Mike Loxley, three and nine his first full season in 2019, two and three in the COVID shortened year. I think they had uh, well, they ended up forfeiting or, or not playing um, a, a few games. Seven and six in 2021, eight and five in 2022. They've got a pretty nice little quarterback in Talia Tungavailoa. Uh, there's reason to believe that they can kind of keep improving. I just don't know, you know, talking about Tom Allen and running into his ceiling, how much more ceiling is there left for Mike Loxley? I think in terms of what Maryland is uh, in the league that they're in and all that, he has outperformed expectations on a recruiting front again and again and again. And, you know, anytime you have a a program like theirs who are winning battles for five-star guys, winning battles against Alabama and and places like that, players want to come and play for him. And he seems like a cool dude, and he seems like a player's coach. Um, I I think he knows how to put together a roster and and connect with with high school guys, and that's a big part of of what Maryland's doing is that their, their level of talent has kind of been on the up and up and upswing. And I just, the, what I still need to see yet is, okay, they went eight and five last year. Um, that was statistically, according to sports reference, their easiest strength of schedule under Mike Loxley. So that put, keep that in mind too. Um, but are they, can they be more competitive than they've been uh, in, in the big 10? You know, they, they've been kind of an afterthought that fades away late in seasons. Uh, there are times where, and Penn State has seen this, where they're, you know, racking up penalties and they're doing some sloppy stuff and they're not that coordinated. They're not that organized. Um, that is a head coach thing that I, I think is a trend under Mike Loxley is that they're not making the most out of the talent that they are getting there. So I, I just have questions about that part of it. Uh, if he keeps recruiting, keeps winning these five-star battles, if he gets another quarterback in there, I think there's still some room there to grow. I just don't know about his ability to kind of compete with the better schools in the Big Ten. Uh, just like Tom Allen, I think he needs that quarterback. I don't know how that will be when this current guy is gone. Quick note for him, his eight wins, that's the first eight-win season since 2008 and first back-to-back winning records in 20 years. So I guess, you know, and I bring up those kind of statistics because you got to grade it relative to the program that they're in. All right, let's go to one of your favorite coaches, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern's next in the list. And I'm going to give you uh, ammunition. In the last uh, five years, they've only won one Big Ten game three of those five seasons. 
the other two seasons, they won the division. Yeah. And doesn't that just sum up Northwestern in a nutshell there? You know, what I'm looking at is kind of along those lines. So one and 11 last year, three and nine in 2021, three and nine in 2019. And then the COVID year, they went seven and two. So for the last three non-COVID impacted seasons, Northwestern has won a total of seven games. Now I know like the record books are going to say that and, and all that, and you can't take away what they did um, during that season, but I still have, you know, like, and, and I get it. Like Pat Fitzgerald was a, has been a darling for a long time uh, because of what he's been able to do at Northwestern under tough circumstances. I respect that. Uh, I know he's, he's a good coach, but he's got just such unique circumstances and the, and these guys they'll, they'll blip on the radar again, but um, they've, they've struggled pretty badly and I'm not sure um, that part of it's going to change anytime soon. Okay. Let's keep it moving. Let's go to next on your list. Mel Tucker from Michigan state, another schizophrenic one. He signs the big contract, had the big season with all the transfer portal guys in 21 and then in 22. Oops. Maybe not the best contract signing. Uh, can you dispute, like, if we were going to put together rankings for the agents for Big Ten coaches to get <laughs> the deal that he got with Michigan State to leave Colorado in the first place? He had one year at Colorado. I don't remember what their record was, but it wasn't great. He comes to Michigan State, gets a deal, has a big first year, and immediately parlays that um, in, into a much bigger deal. So I don't really know yet where this is going. And I think it was unfair to him a little bit that they were so good his first season, uh, 11 and two that first year. They got a lot of transfers and Kenneth Walker, the third was great for them. They had a veteran quarterback, a lot of pieces aligned for them to have that last year. They, they were back to a, a, a reality where they're still building and they were still building when he got there. So I think his grade is a little incomplete as well. So I love his swagger. Um, I still think he's he's a good coach, and I th- I still think that Michigan State's going to keep improving. Uh, but the, it's a mixed bag as far as results go and how to project that into the future um, in the Big Ten. I think 2023 is kind of that tiebreaker year. Here's my tidbit on Mel Tucker. His predecessor, Mark D'Antonio, had two losing seasons only, two in 13 years. And by the way, he followed up each one of those losing seasons with 10 win seasons. Okay. So we bounced back when it did happen. Two in 13 years. Mel Tucker has now had two losing seasons in three years at Michigan State. Interesting. Uh, next, and by the way, this is fascinating to me. Every one of these guys, I say, it's they have an interesting story, each one of them. Yeah. And the next one is, is Kirk Ferentz, who, you know, Talking about that team this past season, especially that offense, you would think it's the most incompetent operation in the world. But remember, they ended up with a winning record. He's had a winning record 20 out of 22 years at Iowa. And Dustin, I just want to let you know, in the last, I went back, eight seasons of Iowa recruiting. They never had, they had one top 30 recruiting season everything else they rank 35 39 40 in the 40s and even 59th one year so it's tough to get guys to play in iowa but he still wins 
I mean, should it be tough to get guys to play at Iowa? That would be my follow-up question. Should it be that difficult to get guys to come and play at Iowa? And look, I think, you know, creating a program, building a program that consistently wins with a winning record, eight wins plus a lot of the time, you can't take that anything away from Kirk Ferentz and, and what he's built there. But it's like the machine that's been built has a very, has the, the, the distance between the ceiling and the floor of it is like next to nothing. The, the odds of them winning a lot more than eight games are, are not very good. The odds of them losing uh, more than four or five games is not very good. The formula is in place. They've made a lot out of what they're recruiting. They know what they're going after, the types of players, the positions that they that they really um, prioritize. So that part has been really, really consistent, and it's been machine-like. Um, can they can they build an offense? Can they score points? How, how, how long and, and how far can they go? Uh, relying on turnovers and stuff like that. It's a formula. The la- the latest episode with his son is kind of embarrassing for them. Um, but, you know, you know what you're going to get from Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. You know that you're, you're going to get special teams and defense. Um, but how much more are you ever going to get? Um, I feel like a, a young, energetic coach maybe. And again, be careful what you wish for. But I feel like a, a recruiting-centric coach can probably – you know, they've got a great stadium, a great fan base. They've got a great environment. They've got some tradition going. I feel like they can do more in terms of what they can get talent-wise there. It would be interesting to see with some new blood there and, and a new young coach how they would do. All right. Again, another interesting coach next on your list, P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. Let's row that boat there, Dustin. Well, here's what I'll say. And I, 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 I keep like discounting the COVID season for everybody. It's just kind of how I feel about the season. Like it was just so weird. Um, outside of 2020, Minnesota 11 and 2, 9 and 4, 9 and 4. Uh, how can you, you know, Minnesota had never had back-to-back nine win seasons before. Uh, I think PJ Fleck is is doing the job there. How much more room is there to grow? We'll see about that. I think he is corny, corny, corny. I think his energy, the way he presents, the the oar, I think rowing the boat, I think it's all corny to me. Uh, and I think the, the the players who are carrying an oar around and saying and repeating those phrases are just doing that out of fear that P.J. Fleck is going to punish them for a lack of oar energy or something. I don't like any of that, Like, but I think he believes in it clearly. I just I, I don't love it, and I think that's why he rubs people the wrong way. But I don't think you can really doubt the job that he's done. And I think that w- the way that they struggled in 2020 looks to me to be the exception to the rule. And he's done a good job. He's 4-0 in bowl games at Minnesota. I mean, I think you get it in a cornball package, but I think P.J. Fleck is a really good coach, and I still think there's a little bit more that they can accomplish under him at Minnesota. That's why I have him above more established guys like a Kirk Ferentz. And the fact is, he is winning. It does appear the players believe in this stuff that you and I look at and we roll our eyes. couple interesting tidbits with him. Like you said, there's the... Uh, COVID year, which he could knock out, but the past two seasons, well, first of all, he had 11 wins in 2019. That's the first 10 win season since 2003. And the last two years, they've won nine games. Do you know the last time that they've won at least nine games in back-to-back seasons, Dusty? I said it already. Never. Back they did in before. 04 and 05. Okay. All right. 1904 and 1905. <laughs> there you go. 
oh that, Lord, is oh how, that is how long ago it's been. And like you said, if you take the COVID year out, it's three years of, you know, nine wins, nine wins, and 11 wins. So he is doing something right. That is it for quarter number two. Dustin, we got to get to the top of the list, which we're going to do in quarter number three. Stay tuned. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim. He's Dusty. We are counting down the Big Ten coaches. We've gone through, what did we go through? About uh, eight of them, Dustin. We've got six to go in this third quarter. Let's get to it. Let's start right up with Brett Bielema. I'm, and I'll tell you what, this is where I'm wondering, with the job he's been doing at Illinois, he might deserve to be higher. Yeah, and 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 really the question, his, his coaching career is so interesting. With so much success at Wisconsin, not so much at Arkansas as he migrated to the SEC. Illinois is kind of like a rec, rec, you know, reclamation project for him. Uh, and, and the question is, will another bigger program hire him? He's a good fit at Illinois, really. I mean, I think what he did at Wisconsin, that formula works at Illinois, and it, it worked last season. So I think he's a good fit there. I don't know if he's long for that position or not, but he very well could be. I think you could have teams from other Power 5 conferences a little leery about hiring him because of what happened at Arkansas and, and that kind of thing. But uh, I think without question, really quick to make a lot of progress at Illinois, and I think He's got a formula. He's got an identity. He knows what he wants to do and why he wants to do it. And I think that's so important in the Big Ten. And for the same reason that Michigan has done such great things over the past couple of years, they're zigging when the rest of the Big Ten is zagging. And I think that that matchup problem is going to help him along the way. You have to be built to score points and spread out and, and score in Ohio State and, and teams like that. But then Brett Bielema comes in just like he did with Penn State in that brutal, what was it, nine overtime game. Uh, and trying to run it down your throat. You know, that commitment to that, 
is meaningful and I think can help him win games. And I'll tell you what, his eight wins was the first winning season in over a decade at Illinois. Okay, there's my fact there. He's in the black and blue division of the Big Ten, exactly where he belongs. And here's a little bonus factoid about Illinois. His predecessor, Lovey Smith, this is how bad he was, Dusty. I didn't realize this. Two, two or fewer Big Ten wins in four out of his five seasons. And in the NFL, this is how bad Lovey Smith was. Actually, when he did win a game for the Texans to finish the season, he blew the number one pick in the draft for them. So even when he won, it was a loss. His biggest loss of all was a win. (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's move on. We're going to have now the new coaches in town, Matt Rule at Nebraska. A lot of Penn State fans were hoping Matt Rule would end up back at Penn State. He re reclamation projects at temple and at baylor can he do it at nebraska i really don't see why not you know what what temple is and what they've been since he left and then what baylor was before he got there you cannot argue that this guy is not pretty masterful at coming in establishing and building a culture um looking for tough guys and building a team out of that that gets you know way more out of their talent than they probably should Uh, I think you can't have Nebraska football back on the map without toughness. And I don't know if they had a ton of that under Scott Frost. Mental, physical, you know, everything. Matt Rule is going to demand guys come in there and compete for everything. And I think that's just the kind of splash of of a quality that they need to, to make some pretty quick progress. And, you know, if he just had Temple on his resume, I'd be a little bit more dubious about how quickly things can change at Nebraska. But that overhaul at Baylor before he went to the Carolina Panthers in the NFL, which is a disaster. And I have questions about, you know, his brand coming out of that, but not big enough to, to knock him down further on the list. I really like Matt Rule. I like him at Nebraska. Um, I think what he's done twice is make so much progress at, at both of those schools. Nebraska's in a better place than those schools were. And I think Matt Rule is going to get right back to where he was at Baylor before he left. And Dustin, I was the guy who would have said, hey, remember they brought Scott Frost in, who was coming off a 13-0 year, uh, successful at Central Florida. What's the difference here? Let me tell you what the difference is, my friend. Scott Frost did it for one year at Central Florida. I didn't realize this. He was only there two years. His prior season, he had a losing record. He was 6-7. and seven. It was only that one magical year. Matt Rule, his four years at Temple went from two wins to six to 10 and 10. Baylor, one win, seven wins, 11 wins. Phenomenal record. He did it in the Power Five. He did it at Temple and he did it at the Power Five level. Yes, he did. Speaking of successful coaches elsewhere, Luke Fickle, phenomenal career at Cincinnati makes his way to Wisconsin. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like the fit, and, I, and I, I like where he stands here. I'm not ready to move him above what I would call the big three uh, in the Big Ten. But what they did at, at Cincinnati, for them to, to develop a team into a winner that they did, a consistent winner, a playoff team uh, in one situation, got you know first-round draft picks. They, they, they did so much at Cincinnati under Luke Fickle that uh, when, when you take that and you give him the budget – and the facilities and the Big Ten amenities and, and all the stuff that comes with it being at Wisconsin. Uh, 
Um, I see, you know, a pretty quick transformation for Wisconsin. I see a guy in Luke Fickle who can take what's great about Wisconsin and add something to it while still valuing, you know, the, the foundation of, of that program. You know, how much more can he squeeze out of Wisconsin uh, than, than his predecessors did? You know, you're talking about uh, replacing a guy who who wasn't exactly Mr. Dynamite when it comes to personality. Uh, maybe he can get more guys to come to Wisconsin. Certainly the way that he recruits, develops, you know, the way that he coaches, the way that they practice under him, all that stuff looks like it's pretty ironclad. Now you're just taking that and applying it at, at Wisconsin. And I think, you know, they're, they're going to be getting, getting back to where they want to be. I just don't know how much further can Wisconsin go than we've already seen them go? Maybe they benefit when the big 10 tears down divisions. Inevitably you use the expression consistent winner at Cincinnati minimum nine wins for five straight years. And the fact that Luke fickle, I mean, he turned down many other opportunities and waited and took Wisconsin. That's him thinking he could win there. Here's our guy. Number three on the list, James Franklin. I just don't see how you can put James Franklin below two guys who are, you know, coaching in the Big Ten as head coaches for the first time. You know, what he's done. Um, and I think, you know, depends where you might ask where, you know, what year might you ask after 2020? Would you put James Franklin number three on the list? But where Penn State got back to last season, you know, the adjustments that he made. Um, to get back there, the the boldness that he he approached, you know, coaching hires with, especially that offensive coordinator going out and getting his guy, even though it looked like a crappy thing to do on a personal level uh, to Kirk Chiraca. Um, Manny Diaz, that fit the the amount of talent that is in the pipeline now, the number of hits that they had in the 2022 recruiting class, what the 23 class looks like, the fact that they've got their, their, what the, the, it looks like they've got their franchise quarterback. I mean, Penn state, I think has, has maybe, you know, I think coming out of two, 2016, maybe they were in a better position to be a, a consistent playoff team, but I think they're in as good as, if not the best position they've ever been in to, to take a big step forward. Uh, now, you know, obviously the downsides are, are pretty clear, you know, hasn't beaten Michigan, or Ohio State on a consistent basis, has a losing record against those teams. Michigan State, even when he's outmatched them, has lost to them more times than Penn State fans would like. Uh, he, there are still some doubts, I think, about his X's and O's and game day stuff. But in the end, I mean, he has built a team that I think looks like it can contend at a much higher level. Um, I think silences doubts that came out of 20 and 21. And I think he still does not get enough credit for taking Penn State out of the sanction era. That could have yeah. killed the program, and I think a lot of people thought it would. One other coaching note from James Franklin. I'm going back to his Vanderbilt days. Uh, he had nine, two back-to-back nine-win seasons at Vanderbilt in the Southeast Conference. Last time Vanderbilt had a nine-win season prior to James Franklin in 15. 19. Yeah, I, I yep. knew at that time. I'm using that same joke again, Dusty. I knew at that time. And I and I think the looking back at Vanderbilt, like and where he started at Penn State, he personally is making a coaching transition from coaching up, you know, a relatively limited roster situation to now coaching up a contender. And I don't know if it was a seamless transition, but I think he's made that transition. I think he looks more comfortable doing that now. He definitely does. So we know who is left, the top of the heap in the Big Ten. Who did you have number two versus number one in this take 
uh, Dusty? I mean, I have Ryan Day right now at number two, and timing might be everything, but having lost twice in a row to that ri- in that rivalry game to Michigan, it's got some unrest. It's got some uh, uneasiness. When Ohio State runs into any adversity whatsoever, it's like it's like panic alarms are, are being set off. Like two years ago, their defense wasn't in a good place. And it was like, you know, panic to try to fix that because they're so unfamiliar with adversity. And I think that's an interesting place for Ryan day because he hasn't had a lot of resistance when it comes to his rise up the coaching ladder to just jump into the saddle here, born on third base, acting like he hit a triple, according to Jim Harbaugh. Obviously done a lot of things really well, built a powerhouse offense, gets quarterbacks to come there, gets wide receivers to come there, skill position talent. They're loaded everywhere. You know, are they tough enough? Are they gritty enough um, to can, to beat Michigan on a consistent basis? But are they explosive enough to win a college football uh, you know, national championship? They're in this weird crossroads. And I, I think the answer can be yes to both of those. But in a weird way, Ryan Day still has to prove that next season he's got to beat michigan if they lose to michigan three years in a row there is going to be some craziness in columbus i think i definitely think so too and ryan day he's not won a national championship that's how you're judged at ohio state and remember he does get the talent essentially every season he's been there they've had top five recruiting classes dustin and fell short yeah, and I and I think they can get over the top, but is there is their formula, is their brand, is what they're doing good enough to beat Georgia and Alabama? It sure seems like not, but at the same time, it's not good enough to beat Michigan either. So it's an interesting time at, at Ohio State and how quickly things can change there. And Dustin, uh, number one then is Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Back-to-back Big Ten titles, back-to-back uh, going to the college football playoffs. And remember, he had to have his contract reworked. He, he he did, yeah, and he bet on himself to do it. You know, he had to do that. Uh, knows what he wants, knows what he's looking for on the recruiting front, can make the most out of out of three-star guys, can draw five-star guys in there. There's a lot of continuity in the program. Their formula is really good for, for winning in the Big Ten, as it turns out. I just don't know if their formula is good enough to beat teams like Alabama and Georgia that have the same toughness and dynamic athletes in the trenches as Michigan. Are they good enough to get over to the top, over the top into the next level? That's a question they still have to answer. That is, and that's going to be a question for every team until they won the national championship. Until two years ago, Georgia faced that question. Could they get over that hump to the national championship? And Ryan Day has that same question too. We got lots more to go. Stick around for quarter number four. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network.
StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. Guess what, Dustin? I'm still here. You haven't been banished. I haven't been banished. We had some technical difficulties getting Jeff on board for wrestling. We'll get him back next week. All you wrestling fans, trust me, I apologize for that. But we, we've been talking. We rushed to get through the list of coaches in our ranking. And Dustin, I have so many questions for you that I want to follow up on. But first, I know at the end of quarter number three, there was something you were looking to add. Yeah, so the big question, like any program that's knocking on the door where Michigan is now, where Penn State, you know, had been knocking on the door of the playoff, Michigan's been in the playoff, but that big question about whether they can do it or not, my thought on that is you can't answer it until you answer it. Like you, it's always looming out there until you get to that next level and, and win a, win a big game like that or win a championship. And uh, Michigan's looking to do that. They've been in the playoff. Now they're looking for the next step. The next step as Penn state has learned over time. And James Franklin has learned when he made just a horrible use of words, talking about great and elite with Ohio state after that law, after losing to them a few years ago. Um, you know, you have the, 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 the final step, so to speak, is the hardest step to take. They've done everything very, very well at Michigan. They did everything very well, very well at Penn State. But that getting to that elite level is tough and, and really comes down to, I think, game breaking quarterbacks are such a, are, I think, are mandatory to take that next step. You know, is J.J. McCarthy, a former five star, is he going to grow into that guy? Uh, really encouraging as a young quarterback last season. Is he going to grow into that guy for Michigan? Is is Drew Aller going to be that guy for Penn State? Um, if if you answer that question, yes, there's a pretty good chance you can take that next step. Dustin, in going through this list, what really stands out to me is how quick things can change. And there's so many examples of this. Again, two years ago with Michigan, we were worried about J, uh, Jim Harbaugh getting fired. Okay, yeah. he had to make concessions in his contract. Ryan Day, all right, how the narrative has changed for him. But let me point something out. He still got to the playoffs this year, even though he lost to Michigan two years in a row. Not only that, his was the one team that went toe-to-toe with Georgia. And speaking of toes, if they had made that kick at the end of the game, that one play, just a kick, how different would Ryan Day's narrative be right now? I 100% agree, agree with that. You know, like I think, and that, and I think the complexities of Ohio State's situation that I kind of touched on last quarter, 
uh, are all right there. Like they can go to toe to toe with anybody because they are one of the three or four best recruiting schools in the country. And so you're putting that level of talent out there and against Georgia, I mean, you have some advantages there, you know, and I, I think they've run into a real matchup problem with Michigan. And that's a problem that Ryan day now has to solve. Uh, that's the bottom line to me. Like they still got into the playoff. Uh, you kind of just like yawned and you knew that they would get in. Um, you know, e- even though like they didn't, I don't think they necessarily, you know, had a resume that, that said that, that screamed they had to be in. Uh, they kind of backed their way in, but they showed what they can do um, at that level. I think they're just in a real quirky situation with the matchup against Michigan, the way that Michigan plays. Um, and, and it's a challenge now for Ryan day. And, and just like we talked about before, Ryan day didn't have a lot of challenges to get into that head coaching seat at Ohio state. How does he respond to challenges? How does Ohio state respond to challenges? When, when you got a team in the league that has punched you in the mouth two years in a row and beaten you, what do you do now as a program? I don't think you recruit any differently. What do you do as coaches to, to make sure that your guys are up for that challenge and know what that challenge is all about? Um, so that's where they're at now. And if, if they're going to have a hard time beating Michigan, they're going to have a hard time getting into the playoff every single year, which has come to be the expectation. And I think it's kind of it, it says something that they haven't won a national championship under Ryan day. I don't know exactly what that says, but it seems like it's hard to say they've underachieved, but it's still a little disappointing um, to not have won a championship with all these teams that have been so close and have been, I think in a lot of situations, as good as anybody to not win those games um, that that's kind of coming. So they're at this weird place where obviously Ryan day is not getting fired or anything, but people are starting to be like, Hmm, you know, can we got to beat Michigan? When are we going to beat Michigan again? And this is the first season where you look at it, and maybe this is me looking at things with my blue and white glasses, Dusty. I think this is the first year that potentially Ohio State could lose two games to both Michigan and Penn State. Not going to say it's definitely happening, but he could have a 10-2 and season, and he'll be on the hot seat at Ohio State. And just, again, to show you how close uh, teams are and how the narrative could change, how much different would the narrative have been had Penn State held on against Ohio State? Remember, once again, they had a fourth-quarter lead against Ohio State. Their resume would have been the same as Ohio State's had they won that game. One loss to Michigan, a playoff team. Might they have been a playoff team? And we're talking about Penn State a little bit differently also. Sure. With this extra time, Dusty, we have the ability to ask that question now. There's two new teams coming into the conference, and you have Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly at USC and UCLA. I'm curious, where do you rank those guys and their programs coming into the Big Ten? So I'll start with Lincoln Riley. I would probably slot him between Ryan Day and James Franklin. You know, he's done so much um, at Oklahoma so much so quickly at USC, which had really struggled to gain traction there. He attracts five-star quarterbacks. Like it's no problem whatsoever. He's got an abundance of that. So now it's like, okay, at USC, the issue in the end there and Oklahoma too, 
You know, and the issue in the end was they could not stop anybody. And so now it's like Lincoln Riley has to force himself to care about defense if he wants to take a team that is knocking on the door again and again and again and kind of falls flat in big situations. They've got to learn how to play some kind of defense. And it's not like it's not like you don't have the resources to recruit and sign star defenders. But I think if you start at the top and work your way down and defense isn't a priority for the head coach and you can sense that and you can tell that uh, it's hard to really build a championship caliber defense. So now USC exposed on that front a couple times by Utah, a team that Penn state beat in the Rose bowl. Now they're looking at uh, being a year away from joining the big 10. And if they're not playing defense in the big 10, they're going to have a really hard time with that. You know, it's going to be so interesting to see USC play like Brett Bielema's ball control offense in the snow and champagne or something. Uh, they're going to they're going to have to. So that's the challenge now that Lincoln Riley faces. And you see that with every single coach, it's like, OK, the challenge now is what is this and this. And for Lincoln Riley, it's like, OK, you better care about defense. You better build a defense or bring somebody in who can do that. Uh, USC is clearly on the upswing. Lincoln Riley can get um, five star quarterbacks. They can score points. Can they prevent points? Uh, so that's where I, I have him at number. He'd be at number three on the Big Ten, and I think for Chip Kelly, I'd put him after Matt Rule uh, in these rankings. So he'd be between Matt Rule and Brett Bielema. I love Chip Kelly. I love what he did at Oregon. Um, you know, he seems to be doing a really, really good job at UCLA. Um, can can, but where you know, like I, I just don't know if I can see him being better in that role, especially in the Big Ten, than you know Matt Rule and, and Luke Fickle. It is going to be interesting. You mentioned, you know, the the most uh, contradictory type of teams with USC potentially playing an Iowa team or an Illinois team. But how Same. about against either, either Iowa, way, Iowa or Illinois, or, or or a Wisconsin, where you think of such a physical team and what the difference is? Here are my quick two tidbits. I said I had one for each coach for Lincoln Riley. I'm not sure people understand or even remember this. USC, who we think of as that major program that everyone's thinking they're going to head right towards the head of the class in the Big Ten, they were four and eight the year before Lincoln Riley got there. So what does that say about that program? And what does it say about Lincoln Riley to make them, you know, an 11 win team in, in one year with no defense at all? So that says something about him. Chip Kelly, here's what I find fascinating. As big a name as he is, I thought recruiting in Southern California, he would be bringing in talent every year, even despite his last two years having winning records of eight and four and nine and four. Do you realize overall he still has a losing record at UCLA? That seems unbelievable for a guy with Chip Kelly's profile. So let me start with what you said about Chip Kelly. And I think it's funny, like when guys go to the NFL and then they come back, I think it really hits them how much they hate recruiting when they don't have to do it. And so like, will Chip Kelly love recruiting again? If he, if he doesn't, if, if UCLA is going to kind of recruit in the, be a middle tier recruiting team, even in Southern California, then I don't know how much more he's going to squeeze out of that lemon. Uh, but he can clearly coach, and and I think he he does a really good job with that. But I think he's uh, it's just interesting, and that's why like that's one kind of reservation I have about Matt Rule is that he tasted the forbidden fruit. Now he didn't have to recruit for the Carolina Panthers; he just had to coach 
can he come back and hustle and grind on that? I think he will, but you don't know for sure. And then Lincoln Riley, like it's, you know, really it's a quarterback situation. You know, he brings a five-star quarterback with him to execute an offense that's proven. And I think at UC USC, you know, they struggled because, you know, that's a sizzle program and they had a state coach and Clay Helton, you know, yeah, they had a meat and potatoes guy and Clay Helton. It was a weird fit, you know, ne- never really destined to work. And then they bring in uh, Lincoln Riley in such a big surprise move, um, you know, the offseason before. So I think um, he's going to sell that that program. He's always going to have a five-star quarterback. When you have a five-star quarterback, you're going to bring in five-star weapons. Everybody gets a piece of it in that offense. I have no doubt that they're going to keep building a juggernaut offensively. But just like they were at Oklahoma where they had all the talent that he wants at USC too, they, they didn't win the big games. And you know what, though? It's still... The overall theme for me in doing this evaluation of the coaches in the Big Ten, it's still mostly about the acquisition of talent. Whether you go Tucker at Michigan State when he had all those transfer portal great players that he brought in for 21, Lincoln Riley bringing in five-star talent at quarterback, Ryan Day just keeping up the tradition of Ohio State recruiting top five classes, Greg Schiano keeping up the tradition at Rutgers where they don't get the talent. That's still the biggest variable, isn't it, Dusty? It is. And you can you can turn some mutts into some show dogs and you can win eight games, but you're not going to do a whole lot more than that unless you can recruit at a high level. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Dustin. Very good job. A lot of fun talking about the coaches. I'm going to post your list here, the ranking, so you could see where Dusty had everyone. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.